Well, thank you so much, Anne, for that news update. Just a reminder that at around 11.45 Central African time, we'll get our business news and thereafter we'll have our uh, sports update. But today we're looking at this big story. It's actually been highlighted now uh, by Anne in her news update, uh, highlighting the fact that Rwanda has accused Uganda of supporting rebel groups opposed to President Paul Kagame and his government. Rwanda's Foreign Minister Richard Sesebera says the democratic forces for the liberation of Rwanda and the Rwanda National Congress worked from Uganda and we know that Uganda's foreign ministry has also issued the first statement about the country's relations with Rwanda since the ongoing standoff that escalated last week when the main Katuna border was partially closed. The statement released addressed three main themes including Rwanda's accusations that Uganda was harboring dissidents against the Kigali regime in addition to harassing its citizens. Meanwhile, earlier uh, the Rwandan foreign minister uh, as I mentioned, uh, Richard Zabera has been accusing uh, the Ugandan government of offering assistance to two foreign-based Rwanda rebel groups that are opposed to Paul Kagame's rule. And earlier this week we had reports from our uh, correspondent SABC in uh, Kenya, Nairobi saying that the tension between Uganda and Rwanda has taken a more political twist one week after transport and trade were disrupted at a border crossing officially because of construction work on the Rwanda side of the border. But let's see if we can touch base with Sarah Kimani just to get an update on this particular story. Sarah, thank you for giving us your time. Okay, so I know we have to be brief uh, because uh, you in Kenya and I'm in South Africa. Sometimes the lines can be a bit, uh, uh, you know, restricted. But let's look at this particular feud between these two countries. What's happening at the border right now? Is the border open? And what is the real contest around this issue between Uganda and Rwanda? The border between the two countries on uh, an area called Gakima, or the Gakima border is still closed, and uh, the Rwandan government insists that that closure is to allow for renovations to go on on that side of the border, and it says that renovations will continue until the month of May. But the Ugandan government says that uh, it is a deliberate um, attempt by the Rwandan government to walk out trucks uh, coming out of Uganda and trying to get into Rwanda, and so they're saying they're going to be petitioning the East African Community Secretariat uh, to sanction Rwanda for what it says is a blockade or sabotage itself. Mm. Let's let's just try to get some clarity there in terms of what's actually really happening. Is there construction happening between the border or does uh, um, Uganda actually have a point here uh, saying that uh, this is actually a restriction of a movement at the border imposed by Rwanda? Well, Rwanda has uh, uh, diverted a movement of traffic from that border to two other borders, and so those vehicles that are with those two borders are able to cross into Rwanda. And this particular area, they say construction is due to begin. But Rwanda, Uganda sees it as uh, a way of locking them out because there is a statement from uh, the Rwandan government asking Rwandese nationals not to travel into Uganda. In fact, uh, people have been stopped, Rwandese nationals have been stopped from uh, traveling to Uganda, and the government is saying that they are being tortured, they are being harassed, and they are being arrested. But uh, Uganda says if there is such a case, 
then it will be dealt with diplomatically. And they have received a uh, comment on the issue uh, saying that uh, they would rather give it uh, uh, a diplomatic chance. Okay, uh, Sarah, let's look at uh, just one more fact before we let you go there. I'm interested in this particular accusation coming from uh, uh, the Rwandan government. We already heard ma- many reports uh, quoting the Rwandan foreign minister, Richard Sezibera, who's accusing um, uh, Uganda of supporting uh, the foreign-based Rwandan rebel groups, the Rwanda National Congress and the Democratic Forces for the Liberation of Rwanda. Do we know where that accusation comes from and is there any uh, solid uh, verification around those statements made by Rwanda's foreign minister? Well, both countries have had Sankem now accused each other of voting spies and we've seen Uganda arresting and deporting employees of one of the telcos there, MTN, uh, some of them who were Rwanda nationals. Uh, but most of this is... Uh, officials that have been growing over a long time. Remember some of the uh, officials in the Rwandan government, who are once officials in the Ugandan government when Rwanda was uh, going through its turbulent time. But um, with the, the situation now, uh, Rwanda seems to be more convinced that uh, there are people who are out to overthrow the government or to attempt to overthrow the government in, uh, one in Uganda mm. uh, who are being hosted by the Ugandan government. But Uganda has denied Okay, we're going to leave it there, Sarah. Thank you for giving us uh, uh, your time. I know also there's another breaking story there in terms of uh, uh, Kenya, whereby police have used tear guns and batons to try and disperse striking workers at the main international airport in Kenya's capital, Nairobi. I'm sure you'll be uh, on that story, but uh, we'll, we'll speak on that a little bit later, probably uh, later in the day. But thank you for your time right now. Well, we're going to let go of Sarah Kimani. I'm going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get this discussion going from with Professor Dominique Uyazeyimana, who is an associate professor at the School of Public Management and Public Policy at the University of Johannesburg. We're also joined by Victor Homeswana, who is a, a political analyst and uh, on issues on the African continent. Let me take a quick break. It's almost uh, 15 minutes past 11 o'clock. I'll be back after this. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. I wanted to become and to learn for a chance. Africa is for the Africans. We must all be one and we must all be united. I can say life has changed, but not everything has changed. 25 years later, is democracy working for all South Africans? Has it lived up to the dreams of 1994? Your voice matters and all will be revealed on Monday the 4th of March. Connect with us on SABC Radio, TV and digital platforms. SABC News, independent and impartial. Yes, you are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Today we're looking at uh, the real contest, and it seems like it's a historical matter here in terms of what's happening between Rwanda and Uganda. And we know that uh, the diplomatic relations seem to have soured currently in the country. Uh, let me see if I can get hold of our guests on the line. I can already hear something clipping there, so I think one of our guests could be off the line there. Uh, let's see if we have uh, Victor Homeswan on the line. Are you there, Victor? 
Okay, we've lost Victor there. Let me see if we have Professor Dominique Oweziman. Uh, Professor Dominique, are you there with us on the line? Yes, I'm there. Benjamin, uh, good morning and good morning to the Channel Africa listeners. Okay, let's look at what's happening here. What does this conflict start from? I don't understand why such two close countries would actually have such a conflict, especially seeing the, 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 the accusations that are coming from the Rwandan government accusing Uganda of supporting rebel groups. Why would Rwanda be opposed to President Paul Kagame's government and why would they support any rebel group that's opposed to Rwanda's president? Uh, Victor, that's a, a good question. It is difficult to really uh, understand what's going on between Rwanda and uh, Uganda at the moment. But the context, as you mentioned, explains everything. First of all, why would Uganda want to remove uh, President Poro Kagame, which Uganda played a, 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 a major role in putting um, putting him in power in the first place. And uh, also, if you look at it, uh, if there was such, uh, those allegations were correct, do you respond by closing the border, knowing that Rwanda is a landlocked uh, country uh, almost over a 1,000 kilometers from the Indian Ocean and uh, 3,000 kilometers from um, Atlantic Ocean? If you close the border, you're actually closing yourself. But, uh, Victor, to be honest with you, uh, the closing the border here uh, has, is, 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 hides so many things that the Rwandan government would want to do if uh, the Ugandan government was to do the same. Uh, uh, Rwanda is, has become a specialist in playing on people's emotions. Mm. Now, um, the, the issue at the moment, you remember what happened in 2010 when uh, uh, General Karegea was killed in South Africa? South Africa mm. sent, did not close the embassy, but sent few uh, Rwandan embassy back home. Rwanda um, followed by closing the embassy and chasing everybody. And they later on come back cry, uh, crying, saying, South Africa, what are you doing to me? Now, the context is a, is a, is a both economic and a political context. From any economic context, Rwanda is heavily indebted, and uh, its debt is maturing in 2023. Now, there is a possibility that the economy is not growing enough for Rwanda to be able to repay. So they might be looking for a, a, a pretext to justify lack of payment should that debt uh, uh, come. The and Uganda, so that they can go around and say, look, we are a victim, Uganda is victimizing us and all of that. It is both a political and economic game being played by Rwanda, but there is no logic for a landlocked country to be the first to close the border mm. if a country it depends on. 100, almost 100%. Listen to you clearly there, Professor Dominic. It seems like you're taking sides there in terms of uh, taking the side of Uganda, but how do we not know that uh, the Rwandan accusation on the ground 
being supported by uh, uh, the Ugandan government. Uh, we know that uh, uh, the Rwandan National Congress and the Democratic Forces of the Liberation of Rwanda is still an organization that's still on the ground and seems to be entrenched in some sort of support. First of all, there is no evidence that was provided that we can go and verify that the Rwanda National Congress has got any, any, any um, active army. The founder of the RNC, the Rwanda National Congress, is here in South Africa. You are a South African. Have you ever heard of any army being trained from South Africa, probably sent to Uganda? I don't think there is such evidence. Of course, you're going to refer to the United Nations, uh, the recent United Nations uh, report, which claimed that they heard from a third party that there is such kind of military arrangement. But there is no evidence, there is no concrete evidence. And another question, why would Uganda, which played a major role in establishing the current system in Rwanda, be the first to remove it? Okay, let, let me bring in Victor here, Professor Dominic. That's Victor Homoeswana, a political analyst, joining us on the line. Victor, thank you for giving us your time. It seems like a Professor Dominic is citing the fact that Rwanda is creating political confusion, but I don't understand that assertion because if he's citing a certain past research from uh, uh, the United Nations that shows a bit of an accusation that uh, uh, Paul Kagame's uh, government has been actually um, having some insight into uh, the uh, rebel groups that are being supported by Uganda is the factuality around this particular issue because that's where uh, this uh, conflict stems from, Victor. I, I do not know. That's the long and the short. I'm one yeah. guy who doesn't shy away from saying I do not know. Sure. Could they prove could they reason? Because, you know, the two countries have been accusing each other of all sorts of things. And the prof is right. Uganda played a huge role in helping Rwanda to be what it is. But hey, President Paul Kagame can also say I played a huge role in helping President Museveni to get into power in 1986. I do not think a previous record of what you did exempts you from doing something. Now, let's face the facts. Rwanda is facing a lot of security challenges. As to whether we can accuse Uganda of supporting that, I do not know. But not so long ago, Uganda deported... MTN Uganda executives who were from, I think one of them was from Rwanda, another one from from Europe, and the same argument was being made that you are compromising national security. The problem, Prof, and and, and you as the host, uh, is that when when issues of national security get discussed, Mm -hmm. we are not taken into full confidence by the people who are making the accusations. So, for example, I'm a South African. When the ANC, which I supported, was fighting the liberation war, many people will tell you how they came into South Africa. They came through the borders. Many explosives that were used in sabotage attacks in South Africa were brought in using trucks that were carrying commercial cargo. So I don't think anybody can ever say, oh, there's no way that any infiltration can happen. And if you're going to fight the government of Rwanda, it's international military science, or whether it's warfare or guerrilla warfare, you have to fight with international support. Now, Rwanda is surrounded by all these countries, and I, and I say I wish the government of Kigali would take us into more confidence 
and talk about is the mere fact that they are using what looks like a spurious reason, you know, citing construction that nobody seems to know of is a sign that maybe they are not at the level where they can share in detail the actual story of how they know that the people are supporting this. We can go mm-hmm. to Goma and we'll find a similar level of mm-hmm. accusation about what's happening cross-border. So, so I'm very reluctant to, to say they are right or they are not. My regret, though, is that the East African Union needs better relations between these two countries. And I'm sure if the East African community is going to prove its mettle as a regional economic bloc, it's going to be in brokering peace between these two important members of the bloc. Okay, shying away from speculation, because we could speculate whether this is happening or why this is not happening, but certainly there is a conflict that's coming out on the public domain, Victor. And what's bizarre is the fact that these two presidents from these two countries were once comrades. I mean, Paul Kagame was uh, uh, assistant to Uganda's uh, Yoweri Museveni, and they fought in the guerrilla war, and uh, that's how he came in power in 1986. And also, their was also brought back to uh, uh, Kagame by uh, Yoweri Museveni. Yeah. And uh, it's bizarre that this thing is playing out the way it is, isn't it? It's not bizarre at all. Let me tell you, it's not bizarre at all. Kwame Nkrumah was taken out by his own comrades. Patrice Lumumba was taken out by his own comrades. Thomas Sankara was assassinated with the help of his own people. So was America Cabra. The fact that you collaborated in the past does not exempt you from the temptation. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying President Museveni is supporting this, but I'm saying that argument doesn't prove anything. In fact, the success story that is Rwanda, apart from the fact that Paul Kagame gets criticized and sometimes justifiably for the methods he used to deal with opposition and for the methods he's using to run the country, those justifi- justified criticisms are there. But the success that is Rwanda, uh, everybody, is going to always catch their attention. And let's not kid ourselves. The success of Rwanda is good for East Africa, and I'm sure that Paul Kagame has started making enemies for himself. Two, two ways, by virtue of the success he's realizing and by virtue of the methods he's using and the fact that he's got a lot of history in the, in the, in the bush matters of the Great Lakes region. He's got just too many loose ends, as I'm saying. But let's not imagine that his success is not going to create enemies, as I say, on the front of the... By merely succeeding, Mm. there are many other foreign forces that wouldn't be interested in seeing him succeed. But secondly, because he's a hard man, he's a military man, he tends to use hard methods, he's going to be attracting a lot of enemies. And this could be just one of those examples Mm. that you start seeing enemies behind every tree. Okay, let me bring it to you, Professor Dominic. I still find it bizarre that former comrades uh, would actually now be uh, enemies. Uh, what does this actually show? And I, I don't, I, I don't I think that. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. This is your show, and I must respect you. No, no, I'm not I, saying that you're interrupting me. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just disagreeing with you, Victor. No, That's I all. Know, but I'm just listen to the state capture report. You will hear how many comrades are at each other's throats right No, I'm now. not saying that it's, it's, yeah. it's unique. I'm just saying I'm no. using the word bizarre. I'm not saying yeah. that it's something that would not happen and it wouldn't not be any sorry, event sorry, that I'm would not. take place. Yeah. But, Professor Dominique, what are your thoughts around the assertions made, especially the fact that Victor seems to put uh, uh, the Rwandan president on a high pedestal in this regard? Look, uh, look Benjamin, I, 
I, I sometimes I have a different opinion on, on that one. Here we have a country, uh, Rwanda, surrounded by, uh, by, by Uganda, by Burundi, by Congo, and by Tanzania. And uh, Rwanda is involved one way or the other in a conflict with each one of those countries. Now, how come all the neighbors are, in, are, are, are wrong according to Rwandan invasion? And the only Rwanda is right. Well, Victor is citing some imaginary economic successes which make neighboring countries apparently jealousy. Really? I'm talking about the economy which was achieved through borrowing. What product does Rwanda produce and export, uh, and export that no neighboring country has? Yes, there has been economic growth. I don't dis- dispute that one. From a low base, yes. And there is no evidence to suggest that Rwanda is doing well economically than its neighboring countries, Kenya, Uganda, and, uh, well, of, of course, the DRC has been, you know. But the question that remains, and I put it to uh, Victor, is how come all the four countries are wrong and only Rwanda is right? And, and also... I want to get to the bottom of this because maybe our listener is listening to us and saying they're not quite sure what is being contested here. Uh, What is being contested here between Uganda and Rwanda and what's happening in terms of the political dimensions in East Africa? Because what is the big issue on the ground here? Because I don't think we're actually coming to that answer. I think we're debating something either than that. Yeah. And, and oh, I, I don't understand why we're having this yeah. kind of conversation where we're not really looking at the real issues of why we're having these conflicts and the real root um, dimensions on the ground, Victor. Yeah. Benjamin, and I respect the prof, you know, he, he uses the word imaginary success. Let me say this. He's asking me a question, why are the other countries wrong and only Rwanda is right? With respect, Prof, I think that's a little exaggerated. Not, not that I don't understand the point. I, I see there's a figure of speech. I understand what he means. But I don't think President Kagame is saying he's right on everything. I think what he has done very well, he has rallied Africans to get them to have pride in themselves. He has criticized his neighbors, and sometimes not very diplomatically, for not having have ways of rallying themselves and always responding or only responding when Europe is calling them. So I don't think he's saying, I'm not saying he is right and everybody else is wrong. And that's why I mentioned his method, that his methods sometimes are just so hard that he's going to make enemies for himself. And by that I mean, I go to Rwanda, I go to Uganda, I go to all these countries in East Africa. In fact, I think I've been to all of them. And you can feel when you're in Rwanda that it's just way, I wouldn't say too militarized, but it's just too stiff and restricts movement sometimes, and they enforce whatever they decide to enforce almost by military means. Now, that doesn't always work. There are times when it works, and there are times when it doesn't work. And that's why I was saying, because of the success he had, if, if Pop wants to argue that we can bring all the matrices that compare mm-hmm. countries, the economic growth, the stability, the cleanliness, the growth of tourism and all those things, the, 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 the many other things that, mm-hmm. that the institutions of Rwanda that are very strong. But I don't want to open that. I'm saying by virtue of that success, there's likely, that, and remember, RNC is real. It's not an imaginary structure. And if 
part of the agenda of the RNC is to replace Paul Kagame, not necessarily by military means. They, I'm not sure what methods, I don't know their strategy. So I cannot dismiss the accusation. The point here I'm making is I wish Kigali would take us into its confidence and give us a lot more proof so that we can assess something because otherwise we're going to be arguing about them. But mm. I cannot exempt RNC mm. and say that they wouldn't use methods of insurgents by using neighboring countries because I'm saying in South Africa, mm. I know for a fact that the ANC needed to use a lot of insurgency and guerrilla warfare to win the struggle against apartheid. So when somebody says there are trucks coming from the Uganda side and they are carrying guerrillas who are going to fight Kigali, I cannot dismiss that. But at the same time, I cannot accept Kigali's assertion unless they give me better proof. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let's take a quick break and get a little breather. And uh, I agree with Victor to a certain degree because I think most of the assertions that we are making in this discussion is just by um, making an uh, allegatory statements. And maybe that's where the problem is between this feud uh, between Rwanda and Uganda is that it's based on uh, uh, accusations. Let me take a quick break and we'll be back with our guests. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, it's 33 minutes past 11 o'clock uh, Central African time and you have, we're having a very heated conversation here between Professor Dominique Uyazeyimana, uh, who is an associate professor at the School of Public Management and Public Policy at the University of Johannesburg. That's Professor Dominique Uyazeyimana and we also have uh, Victor Homeswan, a political analyst, joining us also on the line. Now, what's the way forward I, I would think would be the next question, Professor Dominique? What kind of intervention do we need to actually deal with these this feud or this apparent uh, allegation environment uh, and this uh, atmosphere of uh, a contention between these two countries who should intervene first here okay thank you very much for the question uh, uh, sir. um first of all um in order to come to a solution one understands that both countries are losing economically socially and any other way. Therefore, but it is Rwanda which stands to lose most if Uganda was to close the borders. It is not understandable. It's beyond any imagination to see a country that is totally dependent on its neighbor. Yet it calls the, pick the first fight with every neighbor including a country such as Uganda, which if Uganda closes the border, 
there is no way the economic development that Victor is speaking about is going to continue. It is happening somehow. I don't disagree with that one. But if Uganda was to do this, what Rwanda is doing, definitely we will never talk again about the economic development there. So back to my question, Professor, who should intervene now? Because we've already established that definitely there is a a very... um, broken relationship between the two countries uh, from a diplomatic standpoint of view. So what must happen now? It, the two leaders should sit together and uh, try to, sol- to solve the problem among themselves. The intervention of a third uh, party such as uh, the UN or the African Union could be called after the, uh, the East African community has sat down and abided by its rule. Remember, there is the East African community, Article 104, has a treaty of free movement of people, labor and other things. So they should rather enforce the East African community and also the two leaders should meet first and solve their problems because it's very individual problems. And later, if those uh, options don't work, then they could call somebody else. But first, the two leaders and the East African community. Okay, what's your thoughts, Victor? Do you see these uh, two giants uh, meeting and, and sitting down to have a polite conversation over this uh, uh, big issue? Because most of it is uh, around uh, political power, and uh, that's where things are sitting right now. They don't have a choice. Prof is right. They have to talk among themselves. But And, and he's right also in that East African community has rules. And by doing what Rwanda is doing right now, it's, it's all... It's, almost, if not entirely, breaking some of the rules of the East African community. You cannot be a, a belligerent neighbor and start blocking borders because, remember, some of the traffic that goes through that border is of humanitarian nature. There could be people delivering health care solutions or de- moving patients or getting medical supplies. So it's not sustainable. It's wrong by its nature to close the border. But secondly, it's not sustainable. Yes, Rwanda is a smaller economy, and it won't be able to do that, but Uganda is losing here because it's exporting a lot more. It's, all, it's nearly $200 million of exports that they did, I think, last year, and although it was down from the previous year. But at least mm. it's right that they have to sit down and, and work this out. East African community has managed to solve problems, and I know that it's outside of the East African community at the moment, but the other party that could play a role because it's going to be affected by this crisis eventually is a country like Ethiopia. Ethiopia, since the arrival of Prime Minister Abe Ahmed, has proven to be a very good catalyst of international mm-hmm. relations, especially in the Horn of Africa. But because of the contiguity of the Horn of Africa and the East African community, I think that's another an element of this of this puzzle that needs to be resolved. But certainly, Prof is right, it's not sustainable too. You can't have neighbors violating protocols of their own East African community. It is stronger for the two countries being there, and it will be much stronger if they are working together. And how about COMESA's intervention, uh, Victor? COMESA is exactly, that, that's another element, because COMESA mm. goes all the way to Egypt. And the, the many projects that have been touted 
the if you remember Egypt was announcing the the the, the highway between itself I think and Tanzania which is a member mm-hmm. of the African community so in the end I mean Prof and I agree we are headed towards the African Union but it has subdivisions mm-hmm. it has regional economic blocks commerce mm-hmm. might be because it will bring the powerful elements of economies like South Africa that are much bigger and it and Egypt mm-hmm. on the other side which will eventually prevail and that might be the problem by the way that for Egypt to get involved when it's the current chair of the African Union and they already ran into some kind of problems with Paul Kagame who is the immediate past, past president I and mean then past chairman. So in the end it's going to have to be an African solution because I can tell you Paul Kagame has relations in all kinds of other countries like Israel. You don't want foreigners getting involved in solving problems of, of Africa because we are then going to accuse the international community mm for interfering mm. when we would have allowed it by our own meddling. Okay, Professor... Sure, Professor mm. Dominic, what are your thoughts around a regional intervention? If we see that type of intervention coming into play here, how should it unfold? Do you agree with Look, Victor? No, I agree fully with Victor, but I wanted to add something. Remember, we're looking at the issue between Rwanda and Uganda as an isolated issue, which is not correct. The issues cover the whole uh, Great Lake region, Burundi, sure. there are problems, mm. Congo DRC, there are problems. Sure. Even Tanzania, it was the first president to, uh, Kagame was the first president to tell Jakaya Kikwete certain things which are undiplomatic. Mm. Obviously, Rwanda has to be the one. Probably relaxing a little bit, uh, analyzing the pros and cons of its action, and uh, therefore allowing the East African community says all countries to get involved and to deal with internal issues before allowing somebody else. And uh, by the way, if there is a such a conflict and the conflict involves the region, there is a person or a group of people who are behind that who start who are starting who started that conflict. That should be the focus, and that focus is within the East African region. It has nothing to do with the African Union. Uh, it has nothing to do with the, uh, uh, the United Nations. It has to do with the leaders in the East African community, including the DRC Congo, which is not yet a part of the East African community at the moment, but which is also a key role player in the peacemaking of the Great Lakes region. And in terms of the, that contestation, because with what you're saying, Professor Dominic, it seems like with all these uh, conflicts, uh, it seems like uh, uh, Kagame seems to be the, the, the central figure that is actually one that you are pointing out to be creating the trouble here. Um, do you see the man actually seeing himself as a problematic figure in what's happening in this region? As I have started telling you, because of the genocide that took place in, in, in Rwanda, and President Kagame managed to, to, to uh, manipulate the international community to feel sorry, to uh, put money in the country and all of that. I think the whole thing here we have to deal with. If we have to deal with the issue, we have to go to the root cause of the problem. There is no way that everybody else is wrong and only one president is right. No matter economic success we, we, we can give it to him, it is impossible for all four countries to be wrong and only one country which is totally dependent to all of them to be wrong. I was expecting countries such as Uganda to be the one calling the shots. 
But now here Kagame is calling the shots. Is even closing the border? Of course, Uganda is exporting to Rwanda. But Uganda can survive without exporting to Rwanda because it doesn't need to go through Rwanda. Rwanda has to go through Rwanda in export and import. How do you be the first to call the shots to cut the hand of somebody who is feeding you? That's my question. Okay, and let, I don't think anybody will answer it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, Victor, your standpoint there, I know that uh, uh, you and Professor Dominique have a different position, especially when it comes to uh, Paul Kagame's style of leadership in East Africa. I, I don't, we don't have fundamental differences. I am simply saying that progress sometimes calls for strong leadership and democracy doesn't always deliver. Prof is right, though, that... Paul well, that's a very big difference to what Dominique is highlighting, I have to say, Victor. Pardon? I'm saying that's a very different standpoint to what uh, uh, Professor Dominique has just highlighted here. No, no, I'm, say, I'm saying to you, I am not always saying... I'm not saying Paul Kagame is always right, because that's the impression that I sometimes create. I'm simply saying I agree with this strong leadership style for situations sure. that call okay. for leadership, and sometimes that doesn't work. And... I don't want to endorse that Prof and I have differences because I would rather deal with an issue by issue and, 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 and see where we stand on that. I just know, we, we agree on this one, that the future belongs in a solution that has to be found jointly. And we also agree that Rwanda cannot afford to be the belligerent member of the East African community because it's unsustainable and it destabilizes the Great Lakes region as a whole. So I'm saying, in the end sense is going to have to prevail because this standoff is not sustainable. It will create a lot of humanitarian disasters. Forget the economic disadvantages. It will create a lot of humanitarian disasters as we speak. All right, thank you, gents. A very interesting discussion indeed. I don't think we actually got to the root of it, but uh, on the surface of it, I think that we've touched on uh, that there is a clear problem between these two countries and uh, the contention would have to actually be mediated in some way, whether we see these leaders of these two countries coming forward or we have some intervention from leaders in the region or from the continent itself. But thank you both for giving us your time. Thank you so much, and have a nice day. Fantastic. Thank you as well, Victor. Been a pleasure. Fantastic. That's how we wrap up the conversation. Let's quickly move on and get our business news. Tracy Boemgaard is with us.